Hey everybody and welcome to Sugar Hill Church Online. I know you guys enjoyed Pastor Bobby's message last week about unstoppable action. We've been in this series and now week four about unstoppable, having an unstoppable life. You know, Jesus teaches that the church is to be an unstoppable force. Well, he, he makes a big point that to be an unstoppable force, he wanted his church to be a house of prayer. We have to have an unstoppable prayer life. To do so, we needed to make sure that we have an unstoppable faith rooted, founded, and grounded inside Christ and Christ alone. When Pastor Bobby opened up last week, he gave us a picture of the reminder about Jesus saying how he was going to build his church and to do so, the reminder, like Zacchaeus, that we were to be people of action. That story that Pastor Bobby talked about last week leads us to today's teaching because Zacchaeus inevitably developed an unstoppable commitment. You see, commitment is something that is significant. But I want to remind you, like we have the past three weeks, about what Jesus has to say when he says that to Peter, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Listen, he goes on to says, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Well, if Jesus is reminding us to have an unstoppable church, we are the church. You, me, we are the church, not the building, not the hour that you attend, not the small group that you participate in. We, we are the church. So we are to be people with an unstoppable life, grounded again in commitment, an unstoppable commitment. Well, commitment is something that is built and something that is embedded in our soul. But it is something that truly is developed and it is something that can be perfected. But commitment also comes with this and it feels a little oxymoronic. Commitment builds commitment. It's just like habits build better habits, greater commitment builds better commitment. You know, if you're in a career, I hope that you're committed to your career. Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane was a guy that was totally committed to his career. This guy had this radical world-shaping surgery, and he had a brand new process, and it was called local anesthesia. Now, you and I experience that all the time now, but Dr. Kane had something else that made this unique, and that is that Dr. Kane in his initial surgery to prove the value of local anesthesia, he needed a volunteer to go into surgery. And that surgery was going to prove the value of what it was like to simply put a part of your body to sleep, not your entire body. Well, he found a volunteer and sure enough, they went into the surgery room. And as they went in, because of this brave volunteer, he demonstrated that local anesthesia was viable preferable and the perfect alternative to something more radical. But remember the second fact was the volunteer. The first one was the fact that local anesthesia was being used. The second one was the volunteer. So Dr. Kane literally goes in and as he performs his surgery, it comes out perfectly. And as the volunteer is rolled out of the surgical room and into waiting and being able to recover, we now know who that volunteer was. It was Dr. Kane himself. That's a guy that's committed. He determined to take this practice and he performed local anesthesia for the first time ever and surgery on his own appendix. Now that's commitment. 
You know, another version of commitment is Julius Caesar. When he and his uh, troops landed on the shores of Britain with his Roman legions, he told the, the, the soldiers, go on top of the hill. And as they looked down over the ocean where they had arrived on the boats, they saw all of their ships burning. That was a forced commitment. But indeed, they were committed to their amazement. They saw every ship was in flames. Well, you know, there was nothing left for them to do but to advance and conquer. And that is exactly what they did. Maybe we need to operate on ourselves a bit. Maybe we need to try a little local anesthesia. Maybe we need to burn our boats and take a step forward in a foot of commitment, taking this step forward boldly in our commitment with Christ. Well, let's take a look at a few steps to commitment. But as we do, take your Bibles and find with me Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 18. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place even to lay his head. Another one of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. You know, one of the serious problems that we face as religious folks today is that while lip service is often given to God, most of us are not truly committed to him. And that lack of commitment is seen in all kinds of ways. But I want to be careful that what I'm about to say doesn't come across as though this is a list of rules that makes you a Christian. But there are evidences in our walk. There is fruit, if you will, that remains in our path that gives us an indication of our walk with Christ, our true level of commitment. Things like, what if there's no growth in your Bible understanding or application in your life? That God's word doesn't really mean anything to your day-to-day life. What about not sharing in worship on a regular basis or not giving of your means back to the Lord and his kingdom work? Or what about being too discouraged spiritually because you don't have a track record of speaking with God regularly? Or the simple thought that we believe we have more important things to do than to spend time with our creator. We must, at some point in our journey, choose to make true commitments to God, our creator, to be truly committed. To a lot of folks, commitment is getting like turned on to Jesus. I mean, how many times have you seen on television, you know, folks virtually swinging from the chandeliers and running laps and falling over and getting slain and screaming? And we see that as commitment, but honestly, most of that show. I mean, this isn't about true and pure emotion. I mean, it's not... It's not like, okay, if I can show enough remorse, then I'm committed. Commitment is, is, is more than just like I go on a mission trip and my heart is moved or I give to something that's worthwhile. The word commitment has a deeper meaning in the New Testament. In the life of Jesus, we can understand the depth and we can understand the meaning of the word commitment. The dictionary says that commitment is to commit, delivering, or entrusting something to a person to give over. Jesus lived a committed life. He went about doing the will of God. Now in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, listen to what the scriptures say. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. In the New Testament sense, commitment is delivering or committing our lives. It's putting them in the hands of God and trusting God to do what is best for us always and in all things. The first step to commitment is 
conviction. Let me say that again, okay? That's, that's worth making a note. That's worth jotting in your Bible or tweeting or whatever you have to do to get it in your head and heart. The first step to commitment is conviction. Let me give you four bullet points that I believe is granular, but also it is foundational in our faith built in commitment. We are not born alienated from God, y'all. We were not born to be alienated from God. We were all born in the image of God. We were all born in a pure state before God, but sin has drawn a barrier between us and God, but his plan to fix that is Jesus. Here's the truth. We have separated ourselves from God by our sin, but not everyone has been convicted of that fact, and here's some reasons. Often, especially those of us that are church folks, we can get self-righteous. You know, if good deeds outweigh the bad deeds, then God must somehow accept them, right? That's bad theology, and it's bad motivation. We can and are typically immoral people. We're sin-filled people. Comparing ourselves with like dope addicts and skid row bums and murderers, but we are all sinners in need of a savior without condemnation or guilt. We spend our time often comparing ourselves to everyone else, but we don't have a higher standard to compare ourselves to. You see, friend, the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming into the world was to bring about this matter of conviction and sin. Listen to what what the scriptures say, that that God's spirit, Jesus's gift to us is to reprove, to convict, and by conviction to bring light and to expose. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Friend, listen, everyone has to reach a point sometime, and we have to stop and let this conviction that the Spirit points out in our life about our sin and about our selfishness say, would you make a commitment to use this conviction to turn my life around and walk in the direction of Jesus the Lord and not walk in my selfishness anymore? Let's take a break for just a minute and worship some and pray. And let's come back for part two of Unstoppable Commitment in just a moment. Goodness of 
Thanks so much for that worship. Y'all, what a beautiful song. And isn't it great to have everybody with us worshiping and singing? I hope that you did wherever you're at right now as well. Well, when we left off, we were talking about an unstoppable commitment. And the first step toward that is a conviction that we allow God's spirit within us to point out our sinful and selfish ways. And when we are truly convicted, we make another giant step toward commitment because it is something that leads us to change. Well, that leads me to the second point of commitment, and that is going from conviction to conversion. Not everyone who's convicted of sin is converted to Christ. I mean, here's a truth for you. Conversion is not convulsion. I mean, that's good, isn't it? Conversion is not convulsion. It's not some feeling better, and it's just like I'm, ooh, man, I'm just digging Jesus. I mean, 
it leads to something internal that does change the external. But what we try to prove externally, emotionally, is not the same as conversion. Listen to Matthew 13, 15. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear and they have closed their eyes so their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Friend, listen to this. This should get you fired up. The Greek word translated conversion in the New Testament means this. You ready? A complete and radical change. To become a committed follower of Jesus requires a complete and radical change. But not of you in your power, but of you in his power. It's turning his spirit loose within you to change you from the inside out. You know, if you change water power into steam and steam into electricity, you have made a complete and radical change, right? Well, it's that same kind of change that the Spirit of God wants to work within you. When you take a sinner who's lost and separated from God and put him into God's kingdom, that's a radical change. In Acts chapter 2, this Jesus whom they looked upon as an imposter and a fraud, they now see as the true Messiah. Same people, radical change. The same people that scream crucify him later now in Acts chapter 2 are saying, but he's the true and real Messiah. Their eyes were opened and radical change began. A part of conversion is that a person's life must be changed by repentance. Okay, watch this. What we have to get to commitment is a step of conviction. Conviction leads us to repentance, and that repentance leads us then to conversion, right? This is the story of the gospel. When you stop doing that which is wrong and make a U-turn with your life, you're not going to be perfect ever, but you are making this commitment with radical change to walk in the way of Jesus. Matthew chapter 15 verse 7 puts it this way, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips. Now remember, this is Jesus speaking. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Listen, friends, surely this walk with Jesus calls us to this higher standard, not of trying to be perfect, not of trying to have this moral superiority, but to have this change within us that we want to walk more like Jesus and less like this world. Okay, briefly, the third step in commitment now becomes confidence. This is the part I get fired up about because this is why I can wake up in the morning with a confidence that what we're doing and what we're preaching and what we're teaching and all that we do in our community comes to a point that we are confident in Jesus the Lord. Faith is confidence, and confidence is Christ at faith. Do you see that? I mean, don't miss this. Conviction is unseen things and confidence in things hoped for. A faithful life is a life full of faith. What does that mean? Listen to Ephesians 3.17. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I want to be strong, don't you? I want to make a difference, don't you? I want to wake up with a passion and a fire and a commitment, and I want to put my head down on a pillow at night knowing that that same commitment made a difference. So to do that, that commitment must be grounded with confidence in Christ. You know, uh, the scripture talks about how some folks are double-minded in their ways, and when they do, they speak about how unstable they are. 
Have you ever said, met somebody or, or, or spoken with somebody and, and what you felt from them was today they're like this and tomorrow they're like that? That today they're all on fire for Jesus, but over here they, they're living a life that's not. Listen, from time to time, all Christians fall. All Christians sin. All Christians can become self-righteous and all Christians can have doubts. I am a firm believer. Now watch this, folks. That when we fall and we find ourselves in need of Christ and his grace, that is at that point we can have confidence that his grace is always available. Grace upon grace. Friend, listen, whatever else you've accomplished in this life, if you're not a follower of Jesus, your life is becoming an eternal disaster. Some of you are experiencing that right now. My life is just a disaster, Chuck. But listen, no matter how much education you acquire, how much you discover or hold on to in the world of finance. However many things in this world you acquire, however prominent or popular you might be, however much fun you think you might have, when you come to the end of life's journey, if you hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you, that is an eternal disaster, especially when his grace can give you a commitment to walk in faith with him. Boy, I look at that and I think, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, don't you? I want, to, I want to hear Jesus say, servants, come on into and enjoy heaven. I want that in my life. Do you, do you desire an unstoppable life? I mean, seriously, do you desire an unstoppable life? Then at some point, you've got to make a commitment. And that commitment is stirred up by conviction that I bet many of you are feeling right now. Let that conviction move you to repentance. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm sorry of my sin. I'm sorry that I have fallen short. I'm sorry that I'm selfish. I'm sorry for all those things that are not like you. Would you forgive me and step into my life? Bring me this rock solid commitment because I've heard your conviction and I'm repenting. And now, Lord, let me have this conversion where you become my Lord. I'm calling on the name of the Lord right now. Jesus, I'm calling on your name. I want this conversion to become a follower of Jesus right now. And then let you have this rock solid confidence. A confidence that he is always for you. That he is always with you. That he is always on your side. That because of him you could do all things in Christ. Do you desire an unstoppable life, a life of commitment and joy? Then today is the day to settle your commitment. Maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for 40 years. Today's the day to settle though. I want to be fully committed. I want to wake up tomorrow morning fired up to go do something that matters. And I want to put my head on the pillow at the end of the day and know God used me because he gave me a rock solid commitment. Come on now. That's so stinking good. And he's good on his promise for you. Let's pray. God, thank you that you can give us a rock solid commitment. God, thank you that you convict us. You draw us to yourself so we can repent, that we can have a conversion to become your child. And you'll hold us forever and ever. Amen. And that we can walk in confidence that you are always with us, that you are our God and our strength and our hope and our eternity. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Friend, let this Lord go before you and make a way. Let him make your crooked path straight. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment because he is always good and you are always loved. And in days that are difficult, hop on his back. I promise you, 
He's more than strong enough to carry you through the middle of whatever problem you're on, only to set you down on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead and wrap his arms around you so you can look eyeball to eyeball with your Savior and hear him say, my child, I love you. Hey, folks, I cannot wait to see you back live and better than ever on September the 20th. Go in peace. What a powerful message and how wonderful it is to be able to worship with you. We truly believe that we should be a people of prayer. If there is anything that we can be praying with you about, shoot us an email at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. Hope you have a wonderful week and hope to see you here again next week. God bless you and go in peace.